0: Tomorrow, 7 o'clock
1: the airtime, Alabama basketball. I'm uh, taking on Virginia Tech in the NCAA tournament from Pittsburgh. I'm going to be doing a lot of stress eating. Tomorrow <laughs> tomorrow. <laughs> I'm just going to be able normal eating, but yeah.
2: <laughs> right on top of Caleb Rowe. Now, the stage has a bit shifted over to
1: the right this year. Change your aim. The 2 1 is a fly ball to deep center field. Way back. Way on a shot by Bailey Hemphill over the 220 sign and right at the straightaway center field camera from Eman ESPN, we're tied up at two here in the bottom of the first. And that is about where the stage was last year. So if it hadn't moved... Right, that hits the top. Didn't think we'd get a Scooby-Doo reference in today, but hey, why not? That's just, that was my show, right? the, That was a I know. I was uh, Scrappy Doo
2: for Halloween one year. Oh, I need to hear about that.
1: Right, <laughs> kids today—they don't understand what Halloween costumes were back in the day. You had to if, you, if you didn't sweat buckets and have problems breathing, you weren't wearing a good costume. <laughs> Here's the 1-0 to
2: Alyssa. She lays it down beautifully. Oh my goodness! And the throw is high. The throw is
0: high. Brown falls down. The ball is way out around the corner. Claire Jenkins comes around the score. Alyssa Brown rounding third, heading home. It's an inside the park home run on a bun. I did that once, literally. <laughs>
1: One-two pitch Swing and a miss Strike three And that will do it Alabama advances to their 14th Super Regional Round They continue to be the only team in the nation That has advanced to every Super Regional Round there has ever been
2: Welcome in folks, this is episode 8 of the Out of the Box podcast, bringing you everything you could ever want to know about Alabama softball, SEC softball, and softball around the country. This weekend, the SEC regular season closes out, and we will crown a conference champion very, very soon. And Tom Canterbury, alongside myself, Gray Robertson, we will see the matchup this weekend that will probably decide who gets rings, whether it's one team or two teams, because that is an option.
1: That is certainly a possibility. No official tiebreaker as far as who wins the regular season title. The only thing a tiebreaker would uh, effect would be seating in the sec tournament. So it is possible. There can be multiple champions. I hope that's not the case. I hope Alabama just takes care of business themselves and I get greedy. I just want, I want it all, all all for myself. I mean, does the
2: conference (laughs) office want to spend that much money on rings? I mean, you know,
1: just give it to one team, preferably Alabama. Right. Uh, yeah, it's going to be a a great series is one of those that about midway through the conference. I think we kind of started looking and say, this could really be, it could all come down to this, the way that both these teams started and they've, Been able to run through the rest of the conference schedule. It's going to be a lot of fun here this weekend in Baton Rouge.
2: And we will preview that matchup in just a moment. Here is your trip around the bases. We will start at the plate, talk about Alabama dropping the home series to Kentucky, and then the LSU series looming for the Crimson Tide this weekend. Then we will advance to first, break down the SEC, where everything stands, what the scenarios are, and give you an RPI update. Then we will steal second with the great Caleb Rowe who is just fantastic and will be calling Alabama LSU this weekend.
1: I can't wait to talk with Kayla. She's, she's awesome. I'm, I w- anybody who is on the uh, on the fence, on the wall, I should say, at Rhodes Stadium is a friend of the podcast. Absolutely. Has an open invitation to come on whenever.
2: Well, that's another part that we'll talk about. She's got like five open invitations sure. because of oh, various yeah. qualifications. <laughs> no, indeed. <laughs> then we will round third, and I will bear my soul to all of you with my updated bracketology. Oh, no. Yes, and uh, there are some fascinating matchups in Super Regionals, from what I have drawn up. And then we will head home, make some SEC and other series picks. Ooh, it's are a these huge like the, the, weekend, like the tiebreaker picks. Yeah, basically the SEC? Okay. Well, because I'm getting crushed.
1: You <laughs> <laughs> oh, told you're just trying to pick up. some
2: games. I am. I, okay. ha- I have to come up with something, and then <laughs> an off the wall segment. Oh wow! I, I am so way. ready. I've g- I'm I'm ready to go hard. I've got wow. something.
1: The rant is ready in the head. Yes. And
2: and then, uh, and then that will wrap up the show. And we're going to talk first off as we come up to the plate and talk about the Alabama-Kentucky series, which is why I will have an epic off-the-wall segment <laughs> yes. later on in the show.
1: Not, nothing brings them out like an Alabama one-run loss.
2: Absolutely, especially in 13 innings. Mm-hmm. Alabama falls to Kentucky, losing on Friday and Sunday, winning on Saturday in epic fashion, by the way. Right. But a series loss at home, and it was pretty clear that a Kentucky played
1: fantastic. All the credit in the world to the Wildcats and what Rachel Lawson has built this year. I think that's I think that's important to say. I think a lot of times when you when you follow just one team or you're you're a, you know a major fan of one team like us, you're you're literally following a team and see every game <laughs> they play. That you try to make any analysis is about you and what you can do. I think as a coach, things like that, that's what you have to do, but I think when you're looking at it from the outside, a lot of times you got to give the opponent credit, and I I think Kentucky won those games. Alabama did not lose those games.
2: I agree with that, and Autumn Humes was fantastic. Grace Ballman was special in the circle, especially on Friday night. Mm -hmm. That being said, Alabama had a few hiccups, some unusual hiccups. It just took a little bit longer to pick up pitches and really get things going, and as much as we've talked about, you know, this person or that person not being a hole in the lineup, there were a lot of holes in the lineup this weekend, Tom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You had Schroeder go one for 10, Tau go one for 12, Jenkins go 0 for 10, Matty Morgan go 0 for 9. Those aren't numbers we've seen all year. Yeah. They just kind of happened at all at one time.
1: Yeah, that that would be the definition of a hole in the lineup, which yeah. is what, what we had. And what's, what we've seen, I think it was a two-pronged thing going on with the Kentucky series. One... I think you saw a lot of the things, a lot of the bounces, things like that, that have gone Alabama's way pretty much all season long, other than the South Carolina series, kind of went against them again here this weekend. So some of that's kind of a, a regression to the mean. There's going to be, you know, things are kind of even themselves out as far as that goes. So there was a little bit of that. And at the same time, you, you mentioned the players that just that there were just some issues with individual players. And the thing that we've seen with this team this year is you have not seen players go into extended slumps, right? You haven't seen teams, players go three weeks without a hit, or you know just where they just cannot cannot sniff the ball. And you know we saw it for a weekend. Now we'll see will it will it extend? We certainly hope not. Uh, but th- I think that's what has made this offense so much better this year than it's been in the last couple of years. Is you've avoided those holes in the lineup for multiple games in a row, and we'll see if Alabama can can kind of pull themselves out of it here. Heading down into the the most <laughs> into the biggest weekend of the season.
2: Yeah, it's a huge series in Baton Rouge, obviously, and I think if Alabama wants to win the series and win the SEC and maybe even be in a position to sweep, although that's very hard to do, I said it on Sunday, but Alabama's got to get a little more out of Kaylee Tow, obviously, and look, Tow has been phenomenal all season long. You know, a couple weeks ago she was the hero, yeah. against Georgia, mm-hmm. but a one for twelve weekend. You know, when you've got Alyssa Brown basically getting on base every time. She was 5 for 12. That's I mean, that's a 500-ish on-base percentage. She was spectacular all weekend. And Bailey Hempill also getting hits right behind you. If Kaylee Tao has an average weekend, hits 300, 250, you know, Alabama wins the series, I think, and could be in position to sweep. But just for whatever reason, she just looked uncomfortable at the plate. I don't think it's the injury. I think it was just maybe pressing a little bit. you know. Again, we talked about how last year she was so great against Kentucky, going 7-for-10 in that series, and maybe playing her home state team while it might have motivated her that year. This year it looked like it caused her to press a little bit more, and she just couldn't quite get the solid contact. And if Alabama wants to beat LSU, she's got to step up a little bit more.
1: When you have Kaylee Tao, who is the nation's leader in walks, and she didn't get walked once this weekend. Yeah. Uh, and even that would have been bigger because you'd have been had somebody else on base for Bailey Hemphill having the weekend that she had. You know, when if you would told me before this before the weekend started, you gave me Alyssa Brown and, and Bailey Hempel. stats and say, well, Alabama wins that series. But it was unfortunate that that towel wasn't able to be on base a little bit more, wasn't able to drive in Alyssa herself, keep passing down the baton if if nothing else. I thought, I thought we saw some good things from some of the other players, but there were just, just too many holes in that lineup to, uh, to beat a, a very good Kentucky team. Now that being said, it's not as though Alabama got blown out. Exactly. <laughs> it, it's, you know, you, yeah, you, you, you had all these, you had these four players who go over and you lose, you know, a game by two runs in and in a 13 inning game by one run. So, you know, you, you weren't far off. And again, if you just get Tau to get a little bit more, you get you know just one or two hits from those players that, that went over, maybe a walk or two here and there, I think Alabama's offense is fine. Now
2: talking about the very, very good, Skylar Wallace just keeps on coming and yep. getting the big hits and the two RBI double, which that audio will be a part of the intro before our special SEC tournament show. Wow. I mean, there are just moments when she does not look like a freshman and she is clutch and she makes adjustments in game and it's really just spectacular to watch. And as we've talked about all year, you know, without Montana Fouts, Skylar Wallace is the most heralded freshman on this team. She's kind of been a little bit under the radar this year and it's taken her time to get warmed up both at the beginning of the year and at the beginning of conference play. But now... I mean this is this is an impressive showing from a player who is going to be with this program another 3 seasons after this year.
1: Yeah, it's going to be great to see, you know, by the time she's a junior or a senior. Wow. I mean it's going to be an absolute Katie. Uh, yeah. You know, Katie bar the door. Absolutely. Uh going to be an absolute keystone of this program here for 4 years and yeah, I I was really impressed by what she was able to do especially on on Saturday was totally unfazed by the uh, by the pressure was unfazed by some struggles earlier on in that game. I remember saying during the during that game that that bottom of the order somebody after Bailey Hempel is going to have to do something for Alabama to win and that sixth inning it was that bottom of the order just really Everybody, even some of the the players that we talked about that had offers, they they got on base that that inning. Maddie Morgan got a walk. Claire Schengen's got a walk that inning. They just it just kind of passed the ball, passed the baton down, got the tie, and then uh, the the two RBI double by by Scholar to get get ahead in that game. And uh, unfortunately, Alabama wasn't able to con, you know continue that momentum on until Sunday. But uh, what a win it was on Saturday, and it really it salvaged what could have been a disastrous weekend yeah. into something. Okay, we you know it didn't get all the results that we wanted. But still, everything's right in front of us here coming up this weekend.
2: And from a pitching standpoint, still spectacular.
1: Yeah. Montana Fouts. No complaints.
2: Not at all. Montana Fouts got roughed up a little bit on Friday. She made two mistakes. Unfortunately, they were at two of the most critical points in the game. But she still pitched okay. Right. Sarah Cornell was spectacular yet again. Yep. And I think, I'm just going to say it now, I think she should win SEC Pitcher of the Year. And I honestly don't think it's close.
1: Yeah, I think a lot of it's going to have to do with what she does this weekend. I think if, if she can go out there and, and is a key a reason why, say, Alabama does win two out of three or wins the series or gets the sweep, wins the series, however, and wins the conference title, a lot of it's going to be because of Sarah Cornell and that that can be kind of like the, the thing that puts her over the top. But I, I agree with you. If you look at the stats, there, there's not anybody that's, that's close. The only thing people are going to say, she wasn't the number one pitcher on her team. Yeah, so they'll that'll be a knock against her. But at the same time, you know, there's a lot of teams that have that number one and then they just try to muddle through that that number the Saturday game where the number two has to start. It's it's so important now when when you're we're in an era now where it's not just one pitcher that pitches all three games in these series anymore. It's two, if not, if not three it's so important for that number two to be a really good, (laughs) to be somebody that you can count on. And Sarah Cornell has definitely been that for Alabama this year. The only
2: other pitcher I could make an argument for is Molly Jacobson at Ole Miss, just because of the impact she has had on the team and her ERA is not terribly behind Cornell, but Mm. I mean the stats, they speak for themselves. Sarah Cornell second in SEC play in ERA behind her teammate, Crystal Goodman. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Just crazy. And an on-base, or excuse me, opposing batting average, ninth in the conference.
1: And then there's also the games where she's come in and gotten the save. Right. You know, there, there's been games where she has made a big impact when she wasn't the starter. So I I, I agree with you. I, I think she should be. And she could definitely uh, cement it here with a big performance on saturday in lsu
2: she is also second in the sec in wins and uh, by the way also credit to montana fouts going 10 and a third in relief man on sunday giving up one run and taking the loss
1: just i, I feel terrible for her. the ultimate hard luck loss for montana fouts she just pitched absolutely wonderful on sunday Uh, Coming in for Crystal Goodman, who I don't think pitched poorly, but I think Patrick Murphy saw that she was starting to get hit a little bit and knew that the offense was having some issues. So wanted to throw Montana out there. And my goodness, she was she was awesome. And I just hated to see that she she has to take a loss in that when she pitched so well.
2: Good news is, though, it looks like she's back.
1: Yeah, it's, it seems like the, uh, the the injury doesn't seem to be bothering her at this point. She if there was a pitch count, it went out the window. No, if there was a pitch count, it was like 400. <laughs> yeah, for real. <laughs> so
2: that sets up Alabama LSU this weekend. Let me read some notes from our dear friend, SID extraordinaire, Nathan
1: Sheehan. Yes.
2: Shout out to Nate, who uh, who might appear on the podcast very soon.
1: I know he's a podcast listener. Yes, he we is a listener,
2: that. and he is a fan Of Good Bull Barbecue, but some notes from Nathan Sheehan about the Alabama-LSU series. The road team has not won the series since 2006 when LSU took two of three in Tuscaloosa. Mm. After 2006, the home team in this series is 20-4. and Goodness gracious. Good Lord. Alabama's last series win in Baton Rouge was 2005, a sweep, 3-0. That series also marked Alabama's most runs scored in any series versus LSU, 26, and fewest runs allowed, 1.
1: Wow. That would be if Alabama is able to duplicate that this weekend all the all the crawfish on me if that happens. Neither team has won
2: back-to-back series since LSU in 06 and 07. They have traded the seven series since and Alabama did win the series in Tuscaloosa 2 years ago. Right. That was actually when we first started working together. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see if that magic can reappear. And since the new Tiger Park opened in 2009, Alabama is 1 and 8 there against LSU. 1 win on March 12th, 2016.
1: Alabama has actually won two games in Tiger Park all time. It, one of them was against Georgia in the SEC tournament.
2: However, all of these stats don't bode well for this. They do weekend. not.
1: But, but at the same time, you know Alabama's done a lot of stuff this year they haven't done in a long time. That's so true, and kind of bucks some trends. And the team, when have they
2: shown that they cared about the numbers?
1: Yeah, I know I've mentioned it before talking with Patrick Murphy. How I never even mentioned the 33 game win streak in our our, our pregame interview until it got snapped because it didn't seem to didn't, didn't make a difference. I don't I haven't mentioned to him one time about Alabama standing in the conference either, and it, it's just been. Now you're gonna have to. I'm this gonna this have. Weekend. To, yeah. I would I would certainly be remiss not mentioning it here this weekend, <laughs> but it's just because you know the the team, the way that he's coaching the team, the way that the other coaches are acting. It's it's one game at a time. Just yeah. going out there and play. All right, so this
2: weekend, any lineup changes? Do you think anything? Do you move somebody else behind Bailey Hemphill? Schroeder had another tough weekend. She hit some balls hard again, but unfortunately a right. lot of them right to the defense. I'll be honest, I'm not sure i change anything. I think that last weekend was an aberration. I actually like the positions that all of the batters were in. I think you possibly consider moving up Reagan Dykes if she can have a good game one, considering what we saw from her in game three against Kentucky. But I like the position that everyone's in. Unfortunately, just the people who've gotten hits for you all year just didn't have any.
1: Right. The only thing I would think it'd be maybe if, if, if Kaylee struggles again, maybe moving Skylar Wallace to number two, Mm-hmm. But then I'm not sure where, because I don't think you take Tao out of the lineup. No, but I'm not sure where you put her then.
2: Then you'd have to put her at four, I guess, behind yeah. Bailey.
1: Yeah. And then maybe, maybe she's thinking, you know, she changes her mindset then. And so I'm, I'm definitely a run producer here. I'm, I'm not even looking for the walk. Maybe, but I, I agree with you. I, I like the lineup the way, the way it's been going. Uh, just didn't, you know, they didn't fall this, this week, this past weekend. It happens. Yeah. It's called sports. People. Yes. It's, it's sports, and especially it's a sport which we talk about all the time. It's a sport of failure. You know, if, if you, if you're successful four out of 10 times, you have had an all-star all-star season. So, I mean, you know, sometimes, sometimes it it doesn't work. And sometimes, and, and again, that's part of what we've seen this year. That hasn't been the case for the most part. We've seen, not seen players have multiple weeks of, of bad times at the plate. And we haven't seen the entire lineup have one of those type of games. Right the times that they have, those are the the losses and there just haven't been that many. And I doubt we will see a game like that
2: this weekend. Yeah. And we will have a full preview of that on the broadcast. I have not watched my film yet because we don't have a midweek to prepare for. So I'm taking my time. Oh yeah. When saw a movie on Monday, it was wow. great. And we're going to see Endgame game in college station. I hope you're prepared.
1: Oh yeah. I'm, I'm definitely, I'm, I'm still, trying to recover from uh from game of thrones (laughs) gosh it went better than i thought it was going to for some of our some of our uh, protagonists so uh, no spoilers in case people haven't watched
2: yeah don't tweet don't spoil no. the end
1: game no don't do that especially and don't I'm, spoil the throne i don't know game is there a of, hashtag yeah i'm don't game spoil of, winter <laughs> The battle of Winterfell. <laughs> i can't believe you're not a game of thrones person i just
2: it, i just haven't had time i mean because because yeah. I, I know that sounds lame or whatever but i'm going with you we've talked about it on the air i'm going with your lost route I, yeah. I i'm just i was just too late to the game i don't have time to sit and watch hour-long movies mm-hmm. for you know however many episodes a season so I'm just going to wait until it's over, wait a couple months and then
1: watch as much as possible and okay. yeah I, and I will text you every thought I have, don't worry. Okay, all right. You'll be you'll be okay doing it that way. I'm a little bit I'm more okay with people quote unquote spoiling Game of Thrones and people spoiling in game because Game of Thrones was a event you didn't have to buy a ticket. All you had to do was watch it when it happened. Right. So I think it's somewhat selfish for people to say you can't talk about it on on social media things like that. In game, you have to actually go to the theater. You have to buy tickets. You have to do. And you have st- to
2: have room in your schedule
1: to go. Right, exactly. So, I, little aside there, I, I think it'd be much worse for people to spoil the in game at this point. Now, if it gets two or three weeks in, okay. If you haven't made time, then it's just not that important <laughs> to you. It's okay to spoil at that point. Well, hopefully.
2: It is a fun end game in Baton Rouge. Oh, there's a segue. There we go. That series this weekend in Baton Rouge, Alabama, and LSU. We are at the plate right now. But look, Tom, we have taken a pitch a bit high and a bit inside, roped it down the right field line to score two and go up 3 1 on Kentucky. Yes. We are Skylar Wallace. That was fun. Yes. That was fun. (laughs) But that moment, by golly, it was a lot of fun. (laughs) So now we're advancing to first here on the Out of the Box podcast. Coming up, we will talk about the SEC standings, how everything went last weekend, including a Barnhill no no, and what the RPI looks like headed into the final weekend of the regular season. That coming up here on episode eight of Out of the Box. Welcome back. It is Out of the Box, Episode 8. We are advancing to first here on the podcast. Gray Robertson and Tom Canterbury here with you, talking about the SEC as we always do. Here are the updated standings as we go into the final weekend of conference play. Three teams have a shot at the SEC title. Alabama, 15-6. and six, LSU, 14-7. and seven, Ole Miss, 13-7. Now, Alabama wins a game in Baton Rouge, they have a stake for the SEC title because they will either tie. If Ole Miss loses a game, they will either tie or gain sole possession of the conference championship over the Bayou Bengals.
1: So most importantly, Georgia's got to beat Ole Miss once.
2: If Ole Miss loses once, they're eliminated. They're done. Only shot for Ole Miss. They sweep. LSU gets two of three over Alabama.
1: And then that, so then if that happens, Ole Miss would be... The champion by themselves. Yes, that would be correct. Because they'll have one less loss than LSU would. Correct. okay
2: See, rain out people. This is why, (sighs) Mother Nature, this is why we don't like you sometimes. Because, by golly, this would be so much easier to mathematically compute if everyone played the same number of games.
1: Well, and it's also a little bit on the SEC for the Saturday, Sunday, Monday situation too because it was the Monday game that got rained out between Ole Miss and South Carolina similar to what happened to us Alabama when we went up to Knoxville and lost the first two games of Tennessee had a had a lead in game number three but then got rained out on Monday and because the game's on TV you can't play it any earlier even if you see that there's going to be some rain coming in and then there's no chance to make it up yeah so bad luck just yeah
2: unfortunately right behind Ole Miss currently this is the other interesting race who will get that fourth spot mm-hmm. Kentucky right now has it at 14 and 10 right behind them Tennessee at 12 and 9 Florida at 11 and 10 and then eliminated from that race Auburn and Missouri 10 and 11 Georgia and Arkansas 9 and 12 as we get further down Georgia in the 9 spot Arkansas in the 10 spot 11th is South Carolina at 8 and 12 Twelfth Mississippi State 13th Texas A&M
1: and here's just how deep and how good this conference is. Alabama has six conference losses, and four of them are to the bottom three teams in the league by standings. Crazy. <laughs> just, just nuts.
2: Anybody can beat anybody. Yep. As we have said many times. And here is a who beat whom last weekend. We will start on the planes. Just the weirdest mm. darn series I have ever tracked. What was happening in Auburn? Florida takes two of three. Kelly Barnhill throws a no-no in game one. Game right. two goes to extras. Auburn wins. Just go look up the clip. I can't even describe the ending. It was <laughs> a sack fly, and then Florida, there were two runners almost cross paths, and Florida thought they had won, and it was confusing.
1: Right. And the winning run got to third base on a pass, on a pass ball on an intentional walk pitch. Just like,
2: <laughs> just like
1: people draw it up,
2: right? Yep. And then game three, Florida wins pretty big actually mm-hmm. by getting offense from everybody else behind Lorenz and Lindeman. Now Lorenz and Lindeman got on base, right? But Jordan Roberts had a grand slam. You got other people in the lineup driving in runs, and that's what Tim Walton has been missing for the last I don't know, couple weeks, couple months, really, with that offense.
1: Which is why I'm I'm still hesitant to say Florida doesn't have a chance to make noise in the postseason hmm. because if they if they are able to get some offense from somebody other than Lorenz or Lindeman, they're they're going to be a tough out and and they're going to have they're going to be regional hosts and they're I know they're on the bubble for super regionals we'll talk about that later on but even if they're even if they have to go on the road depending on who they match up with against they're going to have they're going to have a a good matchup so we will see who the
2: Gators get. As for Auburn, I think they're very, very much on thin ice in terms of trying to host regionals. I've still got them on the board, but they are about to drop out if they have a rough weekend this weekend. And it's just, again, we keep reinforcing the point. As well as Chardonnay Harris pitched in the win on Saturday, they just they miss Michaela Martin.
1: Yeah, and ultimately that's going to catch up with you. Yeah, Any team that doesn't have the number one overall pitcher, You know, it's gonna, is gonna, they might be able to mask it for a little while, but eventually it'll catch up with you.
2: And I think it has with Auburn as they have now lost five of their last
1: six. It's too too bad.
2: Too bad. Hate it. That's what happens when you post certain captions for victory (laughs) tweets. (laughs) Yes. Don't don't get too
1: greedy, Auburn Mm. folks. And and, or and or don't reference rivalry games that didn't matter. That too. (laughs) You don't want to do that. Speaking of greedy.
2: Ole Miss almost got greedy and went out and took the dang sweep over Tennessee. <sighs> Ole Miss gets two of three. Alabama needed Tennessee to win that series. It did not happen. No.
1: We don't ask for much, Tennessee. My goodness. It was it When was you dropped the ball, you really dropped the ball.
2: They couldn't get a hit. And we I know. We, Molly Jacobson in the series, 15 and a third, innings pitched, 10 hits, two runs, one earned, three walks, 11 strikeouts. Ole Miss was getting timely hits, and just Tennessee was not, and... I have no clue what to make of Tennessee. I think they have all but eliminated themselves from hosting Supers. Yeah. They just keep moving down on my list and they just, for whatever reason, can't get it together. And we talked about it a bit on the air on Sunday. I really didn't think that the loss of Allie Shipman would be that big a deal at this point in the year, because I figured, all right, by, by the end of the regular season, they figured things out. They fixed the defense. They figured out a correct batting order, but it just doesn't seem to be working for whatever reason.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure what's going on. I would like to point out that uh, both your and I's preseason conference championship pick are both eliminated before the, the final weekend. Uh, although, Why my, would you point that out? I just would like to point that out <laughs> by saying, although my overall prediction is correct, that somebody other than Florida was going to win the, the conference title. So I just wanted to mention that. But yeah, I agree. <laughs> I, I'm not sure what's going on with Tennessee. The frustrating thing is that, Yes. Shipman going out would hurt the offense, but what's going on with the pitching? I have no idea. And their pitching was the reason why I picked them to win the conference was I thought that they had the most tested and deepest pitching staff. I think it's turned out to be Alabama, but you know, coming into the the season, You'd seen almost all the Tennessee pitchers. You thought they were going to be there, but they're struggling as bad, if not worse, in the offense right now.
2: Ashley Rogers is not quite as sharp. She's having great games, but she's getting roughed up early on, and that's a trend I keep seeing. Tennessee keeps giving up these early runs, so they're already yeah. behind the eight balls. These games get going, and it's there's no explanation.
1: And the no-miss is just as hot as anybody right now. Yeah. It was, I mean, it was almost a miracle that Tennessee got that third game. Well, it went to extras, I believe. Yeah, and don't be
2: shocked, folks, if Ole Miss—I can't believe I'm saying this—Ole Miss slides into the top eight to host supers. If they find a way to sweep this weekend and win the SEC, and then maybe get a game in College Station, Uh, I think
1: you have to. No, amazingly, Ole Miss is 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 in the picture to do that
2: somehow congratulations though yeah for, i mean it's an impressive story get a bigger press box if you're gonna be this good <laughs> that's all i'm saying if you want to host supers right have room for all of your media <laughs> lsu takes two of three at baylor they step out of conference go to waco but
1: they just didn't look great yeah. doing that, it that looked like it was going to be a bigger series before the uh, season started before we, <laughs> baylor did not have a very good season overall but Yeah, kind of a a surprise that some of the uh, the thing that surprised me most about this past weekend with LSU and Baylor was LSU's pitching. Even more so than I know they they struggled a little bit offensively, but the pitching staff, which has been really solid and deep for them all year, they had issues with the Bears.
2: Well, it keeps it goes back to that thing I said a couple weeks ago. They just every series they have that one game where somebody struggles, yeah, and then somebody coming out of the bullpen struggles, and all of a sudden, yowser. And you know, beating Baylor two nothing, four to two in a game that Baylor had in hand for most of the time and LSU got some very late runs in that one to win four two. And then game three, Baylor won five to one. Yeah. Just that's not the performance that you want to give right before you're vying for an
1: SEC championship. Maybe that little look ahead factor. Maybe so. Maybe they, you know, non conference, maybe they weren't as, as focused as as you'd like to see. But yeah, it's kind of kind of puzzling.
2: That'll be interesting to look at as we go into Baton Rouge this weekend. And by the way, Baylor will take on Texas this weekend. So it should be an interesting series there. As Texas, a team that is also on the Super Regionals bubble, Georgia wins the series at South Carolina. South Carolina, for whatever reason, really has some difficulty winning at home in some of these games, and Dixie Rayleigh on her senior day gave up the most predictable home run of all time (laughs) to Alyssa DiCarlo. Right. Up two with one on in the top of the seventh. And Georgia, give them credit. Give Lou Harris-Champer a couple flowers and a nice handshake because since she got swept here in Tuscaloosa, they are 4-2 and with a home series win over Tennessee – and this road series victory over South Carolina.
1: And I remember saying it during, even with Alabama sweeping that series, that Georgia was going to be a team you wouldn't want to see in regionals because of that offense, what they're able to do offensively. If, if they get uh, good days in the circle by Mary Wilson Avant or Kylie Bass, they're going, to be, they're going to be a formidable team, and now they're kind of putting it a little bit back together. Uh, there was something that was going on with them in Tuscaloosa, it just you know, I remember we we mentioned it we said it's just they seem to be missing something they're just not they they, they gave up too quickly almost <laughs> once Alabama got leads but they had to come to Jesus meeting or something happened <laughs> and they've uh, they've kind of put it back together and very very tough loss for South Carolina uh, to lose that series at home you know we, we saw I think we saw the best of South Carolina when we when Alabama played them in Columbia a few weeks a few weeks ago when South Carolina got the series win. I don't know if they were if they just happened to peak that weekend or what it was, but they can they have turned back into that anomaly that we don't really know what's going on with them. They're one of those teams, an enigma type team in in this conference.
2: Yeah, and I think they are trending out in terms of hosting regionals, which means they will be another dangerous SEC two seed. Yeah, as will Georgia.
1: Right. And at this point. I mean, if you're if you're a regional host and you get an SEC team sent to you, you're not very happy.
2: No, poor. I actually would feel worse for whoever draws Georgia, because I think that here's to answer your earlier comment. Here's what I think was missing: Allison Febri Now yeah. she's swinging the bat with a lot of confidence. She had the walk-off grand slam to beat Tennessee that we referenced last week, mm-hmm. and she was still pretty good against South Carolina. Still kept getting hits, kept getting on base. Her average was back up to three oh six. I think that she could be the cog that was missing in the Alabama series, and now that she is back healthy and swinging the bat with confidence,
1: uh, this is a Georgia offense that's scary once again. And figuring out what they want to do at the top of the order uh, with the injury, Georgia. So maybe that's maybe that's what it is. They just kind of had to figure out where where all the puzzle pieces needed to go.
2: Well, I think they have so far, and finally we will close: with Mississippi State sweeping Missouri. Why? What, what, what? Why? How? So many questions. <laughs> I don't even really have any analysis for this series. Other than, hey,
1: Emily Williams started in the, in the first game. And look what happened. How about that? Isn't it how crazy? About that. Emily Williams, 234 ERA. They have five pitchers on their, uh, listed on their, av- on their uh, stat sheet there. And when you don't start the fifth pitcher in the first game, sometimes you don't get, get beat. It's amazing. Crazy. Crazy how that happened. Mia Davidson, 25 home runs. Fa Lelua, 21. Wow, that's that's nuts. It is nuts. And that's and that's one th- another thing. You be the two seed. Here comes Mississippi State.
2: And can you imagine if they have to go out west where the ball flies more? Yeah, like if a if an Arizona draws them. Uh, or a, oh, Lord,
1: Mia and Fa and,
2: and, and Hillebrand? That would be so that would be must see TV. Honestly. A lot of fun. If they could get past game one, which who knows if they don't start <laughs> Emily Williams. Right. Yes, <laughs> Sergeant Emily
1: Williams, man. Just and then pitch
2: her the whole right. weekend for the rest of the season. I now,
1: mean, who, now, if an SEC team gets sent out to Washington, I wouldn't wish that on anybody. But if it is, I hope it's Auburn.
2: That is a rumor.
1: Because I would wish that on them, actually, now I think about it.
2: That, that is uh, our dear friend Eric Lopez from In the Circle. <laughs> he has Auburn traveling to Seattle to face Washington mm-hmm. in his bracketology. Enjoy that five-hour plane ride. I will tell you where I have Auburn when we do Bracketology later on in
1: the show. Ooh, tease.
2: For now, an RPI update. Here is where the SEC stands. Florida, Tom, with the top RPI (laughs) in the conference at seven.
1: See, this is one of those things why I don't think you should take the RPI as absolute gospel. Because Florida's not the best team in the SEC. No.
2: I would say they're not top three, not top four, not top five. I think they're right around Hmm. sixth where they're on the standings. Middle of the pack. Yeah. LSU has the eighth ranked RPI, Alabama nine, Tennessee at 12, Ole Miss at 15. Neither team moved hmm. after last week. Tennessee losing to at Ole Miss. Neither team moved.
1: See, and there's another thing. How is Ole Miss ranked below Tennessee after Ole Miss just beat him? And
2: how did Kentucky stay at 16 and not move an inch after winning a road series at
1: Alabama? Right. They're the top 10 RPI. Make makes no sense.
2: Why South Carolina at nineteen, Auburn at twenty, Arkansas at twenty-two, Mississippi State moves up three to thirty-three after they sweep Missouri, mm-hmm. Georgia down one to thirty-two. This is after a series win at South Carolina down one in the RPI.
1: Who's still ranked ahead of them? Yes, right,
2: Missouri. Down to thirty three, so basically just flip flop. They, they,
1: they switch <laughs> Mississippi State sweeps Missouri, so they just switch places in the RPI.
2: Yep, and Texas A and M staying at forty. They's right where they are. So uh, after last week was really a lot of changes. I think were correct from the RPI. This week just confused me even more, and I hope the committee notices this and realizes that they do not need to go off. Just the RPI because I mean, yeah. are you serious? Georgia going? Uh, like I know they're not in the mix to host regionals, but dropping a spot after winning a road series in the SEC that makes zero sense.
1: No, that's why. That's why the RPI is just a, a tool, a reference point. It shouldn't be you don't you don't seed based on the RPI. Hopefully, so, <laughs> committee members, you're listening. I know. I'm sure they're big out of the box. Huge. They're out of the boxers. Right <laughs> out of the <boxers>.
2: Hands up. <laughs> And then uh, the top five in the RPI: one Oklahoma, two UCLA, three Arizona, four Washington, five Florida State. No issues really there. I think Washington's a touch high, but at this point, the top ten really after one and two didn't, are pretty
1: muddled. Didn't so. Arizona lose lose a game this weekend? They did lose to Cal. Okay, yes. so again, that's why you know this. I know this will t- tie into some of the off the wall segment comments later on. One loss doesn't really hurt you. No.
2: Two losses doesn't really hurt apparently you. not. It's all crazy, and I hope <laughs> the committee. I have so many issues with how things are being done poll wise. I hope the committee can just take a step I back.
1: Yeah, I don't think they look at. How about Hawaii jumping in the top one hundred? They were like one twenty one. Yeah, one twenty one to ninety seven. Wow, what a what a big weekend for the for the rainbows.
2: But if there is one team we really have to circle, it's USF. USF has to find a way to get back into the top twenty five because that is an invaluable Mm -hmm. top 25 RPI win.
1: Yep. And then, I mean, I want want to be stunned if either Mississippi State or Missouri, after this next weekend, if if they get some wins, they'll move up, get them in the top 25. That would be helpful.
2: So we'll see how all of that breaks down as we go forward with the postseason coming up. That is the advancing to first portion of the segment. But look, Tom, we've got the sign. Are we leaving early? Yeah, try not to. Try not to. We'll see if Chris Neighbors is on on first. (laughs) Real stickler, apparently. We've got the sign, and we are stealing second here on the podcast. Our good buddy, Kayla Bro, former All-American at Alabama. She
1: never left early.
2: No, she didn't. Never. And it was never out of the box either. Although, (laughs) she might say something different. We'll see when we ask her about that rule later. That is coming up. Kayla Bro will be on the podcast here for the stealing second segment of the show here on episode eight of out of the box welcome back folks to the out of the box podcast episode eight gray Robertson, and tom canterbury here with you as we really get down the stretch it is the final weekend of the regular season and so We have decided to steal second with a past guest on the podcast, Kayla Bro, former Alabama All American, SEC network analyst, and also one of the people on the seven innings podcast. We mention that now every time we don't want anyone else to get benched. And also, she will be on the call for Alabama LSU this weekend. Kayla Bro, how are you?
0: I am doing excellent, happy to be talking some softball with you
2: guys. Absolutely, and there is obviously a lot to talk about. We will start with the game that we will be covering on one side. You will be covering it more neutrally on the SEC Network. And, you know, it's, it's basically for the conference title. I mean, we'll talk about Ole Miss in a bit. They have a little window, but it's basically down to Alabama and LSU, a huge series down in Baton Rouge. So I'm just going to be broad here first up. What do you expect to see in these three games down in Tiger Park?
0: Oh, man. Well, I think first and foremost, it's going to be a great series. I mean, I got to talk to Beth Trina earlier today, and she was just like, you know, our student-athletes, they understand what's at stake. And I think uh, they're going to have to almost play a little bit within themselves because they're going to be so hyped. So uh, I think everybody knows what's at stake. I think that emotions are going to be high. I mean, when you put Bama and LSU together, it's already going to be a great series, but you add – regular season championship implications and it just like takes it to a whole nother level. So it's really cool. Um, I am going to say that there's not going to be a sweep this weekend. So I think that there's going to be a a three-way race for the championship. I think Ole Miss is just going to be waiting in the wings and, uh, I think you're going to see a split series.
1: Both these teams have a uh, have pretty deep pitching staffs, so, and they both throw up to three starters each weekend. Uh, which team do you think has the edge as far as pitching goes here this weekend?
0: You know, I, I really do have to say Alabama, and the reason is I think you know both teams actually have a pretty inexperienced staff in terms of uh, you know playing in the SEC. But I think with what Alabama has put up consistently this year in terms of. Pitching staff, I think that they have the advantage. Uh, Sarah Cornell has been the hugest surprise in the SEC, I think, this year. I mean, she's arguably up for SEC Pitcher of the Year, and I think that when you look at how they work well, how Fouts, Cornell, and Goodman all work in a rotation together, I think you have to give uh, that advantage to Alabama. You know, but I'm going to. She's got some really talented youngsters, too.
2: Yeah, you make a good point. And we talked earlier in the show about Sarah Cornell and the pitcher of the year race. I am fully on board. I think she deserves it. I think the SEC stats speak for themselves. Would you say she is the front runner right now or could, I guess, maybe lack of name recognition in the SEC, could that be something that hurts her in favor of somebody else in the conference?
0: You know, I think that, I mean, might be the only thing that goes against her. But I mean, really, you look at, Just the SEC season stats alone, I mean, she's up there in ERA. She's up there in wins. She stepped up when Montana Fouts couldn't go for the two weeks that she could play. And I just think when you look at that, I think um, name recognition will go to by the wayside and, Really quickly, they'll be like, oh, well, here she is. That's all I need to recognize is what she's done and the stats that she's put up. But, I mean, it kind of depends on which direction they want to go. I mean, do you want to reward Kelly Barnhill for a really nice career and kind of put a bow on her time in the SEC? Or do you just straight go with, hey, who was the best pitcher in the conference season?
2: And then, you know, the offense is a big part of the team's success, both LSU and Alabama. LSU's got one of the top in the conference. Alabama and conference play has been tearing it up on the offensive side. And then the last couple weekends have been a bit of an aberration. Alabama really struggled to get the timely hits against Kentucky. I know you saw game three, so you saw a little bit of that in that 13-inning just marathon. And then LSU struggled to score against Arkansas two weekends ago, and even though they got two of three against Baylor, really had some difficulty putting runs up on the board. So what do these offenses need to do to get back on track against two really good pitching staffs?
0: Yeah, I think they just need to trust themselves and stick to their bread and butter. I think it's, you know, it's really interesting when you look at the comparison of these two teams, they actually have, some comparable players and roles that they play for their teams. I mean, off the top of my head, I think of A- Leah Andrews and Alyssa Brown, the two leadoff hitters that can pretty much steal bases at will. They're crafty lefties that can make things happen. Really good outfielders, and then I think you know you have those consistent hitters that have average pop in um, Amanda Sanchez and Kaylee Tao, and then you have like the big home run hitters that. Uh, you know, swing a big bat and like Shelby Sinceri and Bailey Hemphill. So I think there's a lot of comparisons that you can draw between these two teams And the question is, is, you know, which one of them is going to step up a little bit greater. And then, you know, how can some of the hitters in the bottom of the lineup just sprinkle in enough, do enough to turn the lineup over.
1: Talking with Caleb Bro, former All American for the University of Alabama. And I uh, know you had several run ins with LSU during your time here in Tuscaloosa. What were some of your favorite memories playing against one of the, the heated rivals of the conference in LSU?
0: <laughs> Only playing him at home, that's for sure. For right. On the road. So yeah, right. I you know, don't have any good memories in that Rouge, not going to lie to you. Um, no, but I, I think it. You know, in any sport, it just means something when you see L2 Alabama. They're two-story programs in softball, and, you know, you get excited when you can see that big, like, name recognition on the front of the jersey, and you just know it. there's a lot of pride on the line. Both fan bases are so passionate, so, um, you know, I, I remember it being really hard to play in Baton Rouge. Their fans are ruthless. It's high energy. It's uh, hot and muggy, so the ball just does not leave the park, so... Um, You know, that was where we struggled on the road. And then at home, I, I think kind of the opposite. You know, we won. We came out aggressive. We played really well. I think it just has been a series that the crowd is very impactful. And I definitely remember being on the good and bad side of that.
2: Well, it should be a lot of fun to see that atmosphere this weekend. And as we said, that's basically for the SEC championship, but not really, because as we briefly teased earlier, Ole Miss is in position. Now, they have to sweep, and I believe the way the math goes, LSU has to win the series 2-1 for Ole Miss to win the SEC. But the fact that the Rebels are in this position at all, and they're the only SEC team who has not lost a series all year, which is crazy, uh, I think it's a remarkable job by Mike Smith to have that team at this point. I mean, how did this happen? I mean, to, just to put it bluntly, how did the Rebels get in such a position where they're winning every weekend and they're very close to the top of the SEC standings?
0: Well, I think that they match Alabama and LSU, and one big key thing is that all three of those schools, in my opinion, recognized that they had a big hole somewhere. So for LSU, they needed more offense, so they went and got Amanda Sanchez. For Alabama, they needed more pitching, so they got two transfers in Goodman and Cornell. And then for Ole Miss, the same thing, they needed somebody to step up and replace Kate Lee, so they got a junior college transfer um, from Des Moines, Iowa, and Molly Jacobson, and she has been I think, not the whole reason that they've been successful this year, but a huge pickup where she was a pitcher that nobody knew anything about, had no scouting report, and for the first few four weeks of the SEC, were just mowing people over and kind of got them out on the right foot, getting them moving in a positive direction. And then beyond that, I think they're a team that they know who they are. They're not going to be a major power-hitting team, but they're scrappy. They know how to get on base. They're going to steal bases. They're going to hit and run on you. They're going to sacrifice the runners over. They're going to sac fly. So they do a really good job of executing the little things. And I think that's incredible in the SEC is knowing who you are, knowing your strengths, knowing your weaknesses, and, and buying into the strengths of building those up as much as you can
2: talking with Kayla bro here on episode eight of out of the box. All right, Kayla. So the first time we talked with you, you and I chatted about my concerns for Florida, and you agreed you thought that you know not having a number two behind Kelly Barnhill would hurt them in the long run. Now fast forward to today, and this is a Florida team one game over five hundred, actually with the top RPI in the SEC, but currently on that supers bubble. I have Florida as the nine seed right now, and I think that's partially because a strength of schedule and B, they do have a good number of non conference quality wins, but I'm curious where you see Florida in the super regionals race because you know like I said great non-conference they've gotten a lot of quality wins but they're also sixth in the SEC and really struggling in conference play
0: yeah I I agree with you I think they're going to be outside of the top eight and and the way I look at it is I think that teams should be rewarded for how they've progressed through the season and I think that Florida's gone the the wrong direction and My other problem that I have with Florida, in terms of if if I was on the committee, which I'm not, have no say or (laughs) any inside information. But um, if I was on the committee, I would look at it and say, you know, there was a a stretch where they didn't even hadn't even won a conference series yet, and they had lost twice to UCLA, and they had lost twice to Ole Miss, and they had lost twice to Tennessee. And so, in, in my head, I was like, you know, those are good teams without a doubt. They're top 25 in the RPI, but. You know, you can't win a series. What does that prove that you can do in the postseason in a, in a double elimination format? So, um, you know, I look at that kind of stuff, and I think that you should be rewarded for how you um, trend during the season, and I don't think that they've necessarily trended in the right direction. So, um, you know, that would be my view. I think they're definitely on the outside of the top eight, even though they're I think they're seven or eight in the RPI, something like that. So um, I would put them at a 9, 10, 11, somewhere in there.
1: The team that we saw last weekend get the victory in Tuscaloosa two out of three was Kentucky Kentucky coming off of a sweep of Auburn the week before then they come to Tuscaloosa and take two out of three a team that seems to really be peaking at the right time played a very very tough uh, non-conference schedule actually has a number one overall uh, strength of schedule in in all of America Kentucky uh, I think they're gonna be pretty dangerous to whoever they get matched up in the NCAA tournament and just wanted to get your thoughts on What do you think the Wildcats can do?
0: Oh, I mean, I got to call their game in their series against Auburn where they swept the Tigers. And I was sitting there, and I was talking my play-by-play Tiffany Green, and I was like, this is a team that if I was a 2-3 seed or something in the tournament and I knew that Kentucky was going to come to my stadium and play me in a Super Regional, I would be really nervous. I think they're a dangerous team, and the reason that they're really dangerous is they rely a lot on momentum. So they've been streaky a little bit this year. I think they started like 6-0 and in the conference, and then they went and got swept. So they're kind of a team that kind of ebbs and flows with how their momentum is. And If they get on the streak, they play really well, but the opposite can be said if they kind of get on a – in a slump, they'll slump for a little bit. So um, when they get the right momentum, I think Abby Cheek is one of the best players in the country, and she could be up for SEC Player of the Year. Without a doubt, I think she, in my head, is a frontrunner right now. So, I mean, they have talent. And what else is scary about them is that they have five seniors, three of which have been playing since they stepped on campus at Kentucky, and two mm-hmm. that are really uh, positive supporting roles for Kentucky. So uh, it's dangerous when you have veteran players that know what it's like and know that their careers are on the on
2: the line chatting with Kayla bro here on the out of the box podcast okay Kayla we're going to step away from the SEC just just for a second and talk about the three (laughs) you know we love the SEC and we know your SEC network too but there are three huge series across America that are Mm -hmm. going to directly impact conference races the NCAA tournament seed lines I want to start with northwestern Minnesota Tom and I saw Minnesota mm-hmm. twice earlier this year. We're both very impressed with Amber Pfizer. Admittedly, I have not seen a second of Northwestern softball. I just know that they keep creeping up the RPI. A- and I'm wondering what your thoughts are and who has the edge in this series, because Minnesota's got the known, I think. But Northwestern is one of those teams that nobody really knows anything about this year, just that they keep winning.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, they have a good freshman pitcher that's kind of led the way for them, and They've done a good job in conference play. They didn't play Michigan this year in conference, so I think that's the only caveat that you can, you know, that's the one that you kind of compare yourself to is Michigan because they've won the Big Ten in so many years in a row. I don't know what it is. but um, So I think that question mark for me is freshman in the circle and experience, and then you go on the other side of that, and you're playing on the road, so you're at Minnesota, and Amber Pfizer has been – really good all season and I think what is challenging for Minnesota is you look at their record and it's kind of, it's pretty decent but well, they've played one of the toughest schedules in the entire country I mean I've been really impressed with I mean they've gone to Florida UCLA they've played Tennessee they've played James Madison they've played a lot of really good quality competition and Amber pfizer has been battle tested so part of me thinks you know you look at a pitcher like Pfizer, who's you know an upperclassman that understands you know job and they're playing at home, I think it's going to be a tough environment for Northwestern to come in and try and
1: get upset. Another uh, big rivalry matchup this weekend is Oklahoma State and Oklahoma. Uh, Just trying to find somebody in the Big 12 that can beat the Sooners. We thought it might be Texas, but then Oklahoma gets the sweep in that matchup. Uh, What do you think of the uh, Cowboys' chances in that matchup?
0: I think it's going to be interesting because you have the Oklahoma Sooners that are like 35 winning 35 games in a row, just like on an absolute roll right now. And then you have Oklahoma State, who is this fiery, emotional, controversial team with all their bat flips and energy and things like that coming in. And uh, I, I think that there's going to be a huge shift on Oklahoma State's shoulder. Nobody really expects them to beat the Sooners this weekend. And uh, You know, they play with a lot of emotion and they thrive, I guess, in those situations where um, they're the underdog. We saw that earlier when they played Texas uh, in the season and won that series. And then, you know, you look on the other side, Oklahoma Sooners, I mean, they have been like a well-oiled machine. They're usually pretty business-like in their approach. I mean, I think they have like 92 home runs this season, just like they know that what they're doing, they know what they're good at, and they thrive. But this year, you know, watching them and watching them against Texas, there was like an edge to them, a hunger that I haven't seen out of an Oklahoma team. It was like they recognized last year that they didn't have a good showing at the World Series and had the potential to be back-to-back-to-back national champions and kind of laid an egg and... Now, there's just a sharpness to them that I haven't seen in a long time from the Sooners.
2: You mentioned the bat flips, and I'm curious what <laughs> you feel about that because I know that all of us, when we see these clips in the press box, uh, we're looking at it saying, Really? I mean, some of them are just so ostentatious and out there from some of the, especially from Oklahoma State. And you know, how do you feel about mm-hmm. that? I mean, what are your thoughts as a former player and somebody who was really good at the plate?
0: Yeah, you know, I, I mean, I wasn't. I definitely had, didn't have the opportunity to bat flip ever because if I hit a home run, like I was already like rounding first, because I was turning <laughs> out box because I never thought it was going to go out. But I mean, I hit enough to do it. But I definitely didn't ever, you know, flip my back trot. Um, I I can see both sides. I, I understand that there is a you know be who you are and play at you know the excitement level, and then I think that there's a. Point where you're disrespecting your opponent in a, um, in an ugly way. And, you know, I've, I've heard the arguments where they're like, oh, well, if pitchers can fist pump and do all that. Then hitters should be able to back flip, back flip. It's the same thing. And it is absolutely not. I mean, I think that flip is that you are like intentionally trying to show up your opponent. And I think when you, you know, fist pump or something, it's very like emotional, positive. Like, yes, I believe in our team. It's not to show somebody up, um, and I think when you bat flip the way that some kids have bat flipped this year, it's definitely in a disrespectful showing up way. And, you know, it's not my place to say whether you can or can't do it, but something that I've always believed in is that the game knows. When you respect the game, it will respect you back. And if I'm going to do something to disrespect the game like that, then it's going to come back on me, not anybody else. So uh, the game knows. So that's, that's what I'm all about.
1: Another matchup here this, uh, this weekend is out in the pack 12 where Arizona takes on Washington, uh, Washington so far. Oh, and four against the RPI top 10 Taylor McQuillan, having a, a good season in the circle for Arizona. Uh, what do you think is going to happen out West?
0: Uh, yeah. I, you know, I talked to Danielle Laurie, who is a, a UW grad this weekend about it. And I was like, Hey, what's your take? She's seen Washington a lot this season. And she was like, oh, I'm worried because in the last two series, like the home team has swept. So, uh, two years ago, Arizona swept Washington. Last year, Washington swept Arizona. And this year, it's at Hillenbrand Stadium in Arizona. So she was like, oh, "That's going to be a tough one for Washington to win." And uh, I think where the big question mark is is uh, Washington obviously has Gall- Gabby Plane and Taryn Alvello, so they're good in the pitching department. But I don't know if their offense can score enough runs to support them against one of the best hitting teams in the entire country, especially a team that can hit the long ball so well and. I think Terran has a uh, tendency to give up the long ball a little bit too often.
2: Talking with Caleb Rowe here on Episode 8 of Out of the Box. All right, Caleb, before we let you go, we have a social media question that will spurn into a topic that Tom and I talked with Madison Shipman about last week. At Crazy Duke Fam okay. wants to know your thoughts on the Out of the Box rule, and I will preface the further questioning of that by presenting our official stance as the out of the box podcast i feel like we are the real uh the people that should decide this rule yeah. but no one asked us but we but that's <laughs> what we that's what we've decided yes it is and and the what we feel about the rule is We think that instead of being an out and instead of the base runners having to go back, out of the box should just be a strike. Because you look at illegal pitches, Mm. you see them be called balls, you're not giving up an automatic walk when that happens. And and the way that we view the game, we think those are very similar momentum plays. But, I, I mean, when you've gotten out of the box call in certain situations, it just it just completely halts not only the momentum for a team, but the momentum in the game. And I don't love how impactful some of these calls can be in key contests, and we've seen it a couple times this year with Alyssa Brown. So I'm curious what your overall thoughts are on the the out-of-the-box world, and do you agree with our stance on it that it should be a strike instead of an (laughs) out?
0: I've actually said that before that it should be a strike instead of an out. I think, it, it, looking at the same thing with the illegal pitches, when they took away like the advancement of the runner on the illegal pitch, um, what they did was they allowed the pitcher to make an adjustment within their like next couple pitches quickly and like not be very severely punished. And I think that the slapper should do the same. It's really hard as a hitter or a batter to make like an adjustment that quick, but have to go and wait like eight batters to. to fix it. Does that make sense? Like it's, right. it's really hard to be called out, to go back in the dugout, wait for like three innings and then come back and try and fix it right. Then it would be easier if you just did it like back to back. And um, you know, I, I, I really struggled. Obviously I was a slapper and obviously the rule didn't exist when I was around and I definitely stepped out of the box, and it was an advantage for me at the time. And I, I didn't really think about it as an advantage from like a really broad, like, Oh, I'm putting the pitcher in like a really big hole. I just, it was what the game allowed, so you played the game, how it was presented to you. And what irritates me about the call is that I think what happens is, number one, you're putting the umpires in a really terrible position to try and make a call that they really can't see that well. I mean, they can be looking for it. They can keep their eye on it. But you're asking a lot of a, an umpire that has to look for illegal pitches, that has to look for pitch location, that has you know, a lot to do. And if you're getting, like, hypothetically speaking, a high outside pitch, you're, there's no way that you can track
2: right.
0: what the foot looks like. So I think you're setting the umpires up for failure, and then beyond that, you know, you're not putting them in a good position, and then you're basically like, like you guys said, stalling the game. You're making about rules rather than playing, and like, and unless it's like super obvious where they're like almost stepping on a full plate, like it's really not that big of a deal and not that different. So when you kind of take the players out of their own game. I think that's a negative thing for our sport. And I also think that what makes our sport really beautiful is the fact that we have flappers in our game and speed and the dimensions, which makes it different than baseball. And basically if you keep this rule in place, a lot of people and a lot of kids growing up will be hesitant to become flappers. If there's this rule, that's going to like be unfair and, and kind of hold them back. And I don't want to be baseball. I want to be softball and be, different and I think the slot game is one of the things that makes it amazingly different so I just don't want to go back in a different direction
2: I love all of the points I think we're going to call the the out-of-the-box stance for the podcast the Caleb bro policy if that's okay (laughs)
0: yes (laughs) please do I'm all for that
2: yeah, Kayla Bro joining us here on episode eight of Out of the Box. All right, Kayla, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for breaking down everything going on across the college softball landscape. And we'll see you very soon, uh, certainly at the SEC tournament in College Station.
0: All right, sounds good. Absolutely.
2: That's Kayla Bro joining us here in the stealing second portion. But now we have hit it to the gap. We were on second Patrick Murphy's waving us around and we are rounding third coming up on the other side. I've got an updated bracketology as we predicted last week, everything has changed and we will tell you those changes on the other side here on episode eight of out of the box. Welcome back to the podcast. Everybody Gray Robertson and Tom Canterbury here with you. We are rounding third, ladies and gentlemen, and it is time for me to bear my soul to the world.
1: Do I need to leave, or are we okay? No, it's it's fine. Okay. It's fine.
2: All right there there will be no there will be nothing revealing shown because this <laughs> is a podcast. and okay. people can't see us. No, good. I am presenting my bracketology. Okay. Now, last week I did the same. We had a few minor disagreements.
1: Okay. Right. But
2: yeah, we're pretty. Um, I yeah. think my reasoning was sound. Yeah, we're, we're on the same wavelength for the most part. Yeah. So everything changed. <laughs> of course. <laughs> and, yes. uh, and here's how we stand. All right. Number one overall seed, I still have Oklahoma.
1: Yeah. Can't really complain about that.
2: Yeah. And that we'll see how that is affected this weekend after Bedlam. Right. Two UCLA. Three Florida State. Okay. Four Arizona. Five Alabama. Six LSU. Seven Texas, eight Washington, nine Florida, 10 Ole Miss, 11 Tennessee, 12 Minnesota. Yes, Mm -hmm. 13 Kentucky, 14 Oklahoma State, 15 Michigan, 16 Northwestern. Which means your Supers matchups would be
1: if the seeded team was one, yes, number one seed, yeah, the host won
2: 116 Oklahoma, Northwestern. 215 UCLA Michigan 314 Florida State Oklahoma State 413 Arizona Kentucky 512 Alabama Minnesota Oh gosh six eleven LSU Tennessee seven ten Texas Ole Miss and eight nine in Seattle Florida Washington
1: Yeah, the other team I'd wish Washington on would probably be Florida, so I'm okay with that. Okay, the question I would have would be, is Arizona's resume that much better than Alabama's that the head-to-head win does not trump it?
2: It was a really tough call, and I think that so much better? No. Enough better? Yes. And then what I kept going back to... Was non conference strength of schedule ranking because we said last week, and I still stand by this if you're looking at a difference between 20, not that big a deal to me. I don't see a huge difference between 30 and 50, or you know, I'm one and 21, obviously, but like that's about my length. Anything inside that, not a huge deal to me. Okay. Arizona's non conference strength of schedule is three, Alabama's is 97. Yeah. That's a pretty big difference. Okay. Uh, I, Alabama's got a better record against the top 10. They have six RPI top 10 wins. Arizona has just two. Bama has eight RPI top 25 wins. Arizona has seven. Uh, the one that also struck out to me that I added this week road victories against the RPI top 50. Alabama has seven, which is very impressive. That is. Just looking overall, though, average RPI of wins, that's something the committee will look at. Arizona's is 64, Alabama's is 95. That was another big difference. You know, overall strength of schedule: Arizona twelve, Alabama thirty-two. That's about in that twenty range. I think Arizona being third in the RPI is a difference, and I think that if the committee looks at head-to-head as they should, and it, if they view it closer than I do, I think you'll see Alabama be the four seed. But right now, I had to put Arizona ahead. Okay. And and, uh, and I'm not totally sure that that will change because Arizona hosting Washington three times this weekend and then go to UCLA next weekend for three games. Mm. I mean they're they're gonna have a lot of chances to get some
1: big wins. Yeah, unless they go like oh and six in those. I mean if they even if they go two and four, they're not gonna fall much if no. at all. Okay. The other question I had would be what has Florida State done to overcome the series losses to Louisville? and North Carolina to get back up in the into the slot you have them.
2: Again, non-conference strength of schedule, number two. They've got the eight top 25 wins in the RPI, six against the top 10. Five of those against the top 50 coming on the road. I think that the best wins are still great. You've got two at Arizona, which is big. I've said head-to-head matters to me, so I kept them above Arizona this time. I had them behind because I thought Arizona's resume warranted it. I think it's more even now after after I take a deeper look at it. And again, I didn't have non-conference strength of schedule on the list last week. I factor in a win over Oklahoma. Yeah. Not many teams have done that. Factor in a road victory at Florida. Home win against LSU. They've got a good bevy of non-conference victories. Some questionable losses. And considering what happens, if they swept Syracuse this weekend, they go to Syracuse and Arizona won the series against Washington, I probably move Arizona back up because right now the quality wins are even. Florida State has a little bit of an edge. If Arizona gets closer to that, Wildcats probably move up. So again, it's very fluid. Yeah. As I kind of said earlier in the show, once you get past one and two, you can really do anything right. between three through nine, and I just have Florida State number three right now.
1: And you still think Texas is a super regional host? I do.
2: I think that a big part of that, the road record, 11-5, and five. their worst losses Wisconsin. That's 34 in the RPI. That's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Average RPI of losses is 13. It's very strong compared to some of the other teams in here. Strength of schedule, third, non-conference strength of schedule, ninth. The biggest issue is is the top 10 wins against the RPI, just one. They've got 10 against the top 25, but just the one win against the top 10. So I think, and they don't really have many chances. Uh, they've got Baylor this weekend. We'll see how the Big 12 tournament works. I don't yeah. really know how if, to explain it's, it. It's
1: weird, yeah. So it's a round-robin type-ish tournament. It, it doesn't make sense. Don't, don't know why they're doing it. Yeah.
2: I don't know who they would play either. Yeah. So it, I have no clue if they'll have any more chances to get those. And if they don't, then you could see them get passed up by a Florida who's got a bunch of those wins or a Washington who has a chance to get a bunch of those wins this weekend.
1: And would you say probably Ole Miss at 12 is probably your the team that has the most upward mobility still? Ole Miss at 10. 10,
2: okay. Yes.
1: At yeah, 10 still, they probably have some good upward mobility.
2: Yeah, definitely. I've got Ole Miss at 10. Strength of schedule, 6. That was higher than I expected. Uh, non-conference strength of schedule, 26. That's fine. It's still, yeah, That'll work.
1: Yeah, for sure.
2: You've got five wins on the road against the RPI top 50, 12 top 25 RPI wins, two victories over Florida, a win against fellow supers bubbler, Minnesota (laughs) worst loss against Boise state. Who's 39th in the RPI average RPI of losses is 20. So, I mean, that's a team that certainly has chances. You sweep Georgia, maybe you win the sec. I think that we're, as you said, looking at an Ole Miss team, that's probably a five or a six. Maybe wow. top four.
1: Yeah, I think there'll be four. Whoever wins the SEC is going to be at least four, if not better. Possible. I mean, you also have
2: to look at overall record. 13 losses is a lot. It's a lot, yeah. But we'll, we would see, and we'll see. Hopefully it doesn't happen, but we're, right. we'd see.
1: <laughs> yeah, hopefully we're not discussing that at all as we move forward. Uh, and for no other reason than I would just like to see it, uh, the reaction from the Minnesota people if they get sent to Tuscaloosa for Super Regionals. I just... You like that pick? Oh my gosh! I really I struggled with
2: that a little bit. I had Minnesota. I I'm have smiling inside thinking about it. Just barely behind Tennessee, just barely ahead of Kentucky.
1: It's a good thing Alabama gets all the calls at home because right? yeah, unbeatable.
2: the The best thing that helps Minnesota, and they could move in. They've got three big RPI games this weekend against Northwestern, and they've right. got the number one non conference strength of schedule.
1: Who Who would have thought you would ever mention you'd ever say the sentence? Big RPI victory possibilities against Northwestern. <laughs> not me. Not not recently. There's a time when Northwestern was uh, a power in in the Midwest, but it's been a little it's been a minute since that's been the case.
2: Now that being said, things could change. This week. I cannot stress how important this weekend it is, is for Northwestern.
1: Absolutely massive. It's a massive weekend for a lot of people. Yeah. Northwestern's definitely one of them.
2: I mean, if Northwestern wants to host a regional and I've got them at sixteen, I think they're still bubbly. Mm-hmm. They have to win this series against Minnesota because here's why. They've got three top 25 RPI wins, just three. That's it. They are against number 23, North Carolina. (laughs) Once North Carolina, who, by the way, lost in the midweek to, I believe, was it UNC Central? Who was was. it? Yes. Yes. So they're going to drop in the RPI. The other one, number 24, Tulsa.
1: Wow. And number 25, Drake. That's impressive to be able <laughs> to somehow play the twenty three twenty four and twenty five it is about
2: as precarious so there is a hmm. very real possibility they could have one at the you know yeah they could have or zero or zero I mean yeah. it's so you have to rack up these wins you have to because northwestern I don't care if they get swept by Minnesota. Or are they just win one game against yeah, they're, Minnesota?
1: They're not, a, they're not hosting regional. No,
2: you're, you're not getting in with one top 25 win or just two if, yeah. say, Drake stays yeah. in the top 25.
1: I mean, you're already in a kind of precarious situation with Minnesota, with uh, Michigan. Do you have Michigan hosting a regional? I do. Yeah. I, I've got them stuck <clears throat> at 15, 15 right now. I, I find it hard to think that they'll have three Big Ten teams hosting regionals and yeah. by the time things are over with.
2: I think so, too. The problem is, I mean, who fills the spot?
1: And that kind of goes
2: into the next portion of this, which is the hosting tiers. Let's do it. Okay. These are the teams I have safe for hosting Supers right now.
1: Okay.
2: UCLA, Oklahoma, Florida State, Arizona.
1: Yeah. Those four. Okay.
2: Supers Bubble, no particular order, Texas, Florida, Washington, Alabama, LSU. Those nine. We said it last week. I'm sticking with my guns. Eight of those nine are hosting Supers. One is the unfortunate team left out. Right now, I would lean Florida, and I think it's pretty hefty.
1: Yeah. Did you mention Ole Miss?
2: I did not mention Ole Miss. I don't think they're quite there yet. Okay. On my regional safe, Tennessee, Minnesota, Ole Miss, Kentucky, Oklahoma State. All right. Those five teams. And, by the way, some folks I've seen have Kentucky at 16, which would mean bubble to me. No. No. Kentucky is host they've got the number 1 strength of schedule they've picked up great wins all year long and they just won a road series which is something the committee does look at how you finish on the road against a top 10 RPI team Kentucky is a lock to host regionals okay regionals bubble Michigan Northwestern James Madison South Carolina just those four wow and then barely hanging on Louisiana because they keep racking up wins against people who don't matter, <laughs> right yeah and Auburn mm. somehow barely alive. who does Auburn have this weekend? Auburn has Arkansas. this weekend Arkansas <clears throat> yeah. on the road. which chance is there? Yeah, because that is what is missing on their resume. They just don't have the good wins. They've got five RPI top 25 wins.
1: and not playing the best right now either, so I would some I would almost put Tennessee into the level of not necessarily regional safe
2: really down yeah. the regional's bubble.
1: Yeah, I, I might I might put Tennessee on the bubble because they're they are be- definitely trending down. They're playing Texas A&M this weekend. So, if they if they struggle against against the Aggies, if if they I'm not going to say if you still win the series, if you win 2-1, you know, you're probably okay, but at home you really should sweep A&M. If they don't do that, then I think you just add some more question marks in, and then you have to – I think you need to win a game or two in the conference tournament to be absolutely safe.
2: We'll see. I feel pretty good about Tennessee. Their non-conference strength of schedules at 46, which is a touch alarming, but we'll see. I mean, yeah. four top ten wins, but only nine top 25 wins. And I say only. I mean, that's really great for a lot sure, of teams. it should but be. Comparatively, it's a, a touch lower than most of the other teams kind of vying for those spots.
1: Here, Here's the other – it's an X factor that you're just not going to be able to know until – until we see what the field is, is the committee going to take this, take this opportunity to say, let's give some quote, other people opportunities to host and then maybe send a sec team or two that shouldn't be on the road, on the road for regionals possibly because it's such a deep league. We've seen, um, we talked about it before. Whoever wins this conference is going to have at least six, may seven, possibly eight losses. And say, well, you know, maybe it and maybe they'll take that as a as a statement that the teams aren't just as good, not that they are, it was a really deep conference or it's not as good this year, so let's move some people around. Let's give the Big Ten three regional hosts and let's let's send some people out. I think that would be a mistake. I'm just saying you just wonder if what what is gonna if is the committee gonna have some sort of a uh, uh some sort of an agenda the one thing that
2: makes me think that that won't be an issue is who some of the new teams are that are hosting at least that I have or that are in position a northwestern an oklahoma state who hasn't hosted in a while you've got you know an old miss who's hmm. hosted kind of semi recently but that was first time in right forever yeah so and, and The only team that I think on the outside who you could throw in just to be kind of mixy is James Madison, who continues to kind of linger. They don't have the quality wins, but they're solid. And you also know what you're going to get because they played a lot of the teams on a national stage at that elite Clearwater, St. Pete, whatever, Invitational. Yeah, And that was a national stage where the committee got to see early year what Megan Good looked like, what the offense looked like. So they could also be lingering around, possibly.
1: Yeah, so that's that's my only concern on that type of thing. I don't think it should happen, uh, but you just never know what the what the committee is going to have. We've always talked about it too. What is going to be their their main target point? The, you know, every year something different. If it's non conference strength of schedule, if it's you know having a, a certain record in in the league, a certain record on the road, things like that. We'll see. You know, who really stands up and whatever their their pressure point is this year.
2: So we will find all of that out again. This is updated for now. Right. When we do our next show at Good Bull Barbecue in College Station, everything will be changed once
1: again. <laughs> because seriously, this weekend,
2: a yeah. lot of movers and shakers.
1: We'll have we'll have some conference titles um decided for the regular season. I know some of the, you know, Pac-12 doesn't have a tournament, so they'll still be in in a regular season play, but I I think that makes a difference. I I really do. Yeah. so
2: So that's my updated bracketology what do you think tom you like it
1: yeah i'm like i said that the ones that i was questioning but i wasn't i wasn't saying i I disagree with them necessarily but i think those are the the ones that there are some question marks on but um i i would roll with that and like i said i just i have just kind of a a sinister grin thinking about (laughs) minnesota having to come back here for several reasons you know dating back to the regionals a couple years ago the uh Somewhat controversial ending to the to the games here this year when they came down for the Bama Bash. So I'm I, I'm I would I, I would welcome the Gophers back in. You're not wrong. <laughs> I just I also enjoy people being complaining about it being almost 90 and humid.
2: <laughs> it's almost as if they've never been down to the south.
1: <laughs> right. Well, I, and it's the same way. I would complain about it being you know 20 and and really <laughs> and you know <laughs> I I don't want that so that's why i don't go up there nobody does nobody Tom. does why do they want it is my <laughs> question so many why questions. do you live there
2: so many questions so little time because we have rounded third now it's time to head home let's get it it is time to make some picks and then off the wall oh my goodness good lord get yourselves prepared <laughs> there will be no hesitation <laughs> nope no mercy here that coming up here on episode eight of out of the box Welcome back. We are rounding down this episode, episode eight of the out of the box podcast. It's been a great show. We started off at the plate talking about Alabama, of course, and how things went against Kentucky. Spoiler alert. It wasn't great. Not, not the best, not the best, but still a great road ahead with LSU this weekend. And then we advanced to first talked about the SEC and the RPI. Then we stole second with our good buddy, Caleb bro talked about all things college softball, including that Alabama LSU series, and then we rounded third and I did my bracketology. And again, that is all me. If you have problems with it, tweet me, not Tom. right Don't Tom at me. did nothing. No, it was all me. And now it is time for us to head home and we start as usual with predictions.
1: Yeah. the
2: standings. Tom got two correct. Yes, last week he got Florida 2-1 over Auburn, which I did too mm-hmm. and then Texas a and m two1 over Arkansas. Even wow. though they lost the Sunday game. Yes. That what? Nothing makes sense. <laughs> your logic for the series was completely incorrect, but your pick was right.
1: That's, that's that's what I do my best at.
2: Yes. So the standings, Tom is winning 13 to 9. Mm-hmm. So I thought, because I put together the rundown. Sure. Hmm. How can charge. I come back? Hmm. So I threw in just a bunch of games. <laughs>
1: So either the uh, either you'll you'll close the gap or just dig the hole deeper. Basically, I'm it.
2: going with the latter, uh-huh. but we'll see what happens. We will start off in Knoxville, Texas A&M at Tennessee. Hmm. I, don't, I don't know, Tom. You go first.
1: Well, uh, I'm going to say Tennessee wins two out of three because it's in Knoxville. This is one the way Tennessee's kind of trending down right now. If this was in College Station, I would consider t- picking Texas A&M to win the series again. Uh, but I'm going to go with Tennessee, kind of riding the ship a little bit against uh, the number 13 team in the conference.
2: I agree with you. Give me Tennessee 2 1. Like you said earlier, this should be a sweep. Right. You know, it, on paper, it looked like a sweep three weeks ago, but Tennessee's just not playing well right now. Yeah. They're better than AM, which is why they will win the series. But Tennessee's not playing with a lot of confidence, and Kendall Potts continues to pitch pretty well. Yeah. So anyway, we both have Tennessee 2 1. Auburn at Arkansas. Speaking of teams not playing well, Auburn mm. has dropped 5 of 6 in SEC play. Arkansas just lost a series in College Station <laughs> right Right after it looked like they were playing better and they won a series against LSU. And I think they will win this series because the series win against LSU was in Bogle Park. Right. And this yeah. series is in Bogle Park. I, like Mary, Half to shut down the Auburn Bats, and I think Auburn just continues to miss Michaela Martin. Give me the Hogs two. To one in that series. They'll get two out of three.
1: I will also take the hogs, but give me, give me, give me a sweep. Whoa. Give me a hog sweep. Let me just tell you, if that happens, Auburn is not hosting a regional. No, they will be erased from the document. (laughs) They will no longer be on the bubble. It will have popped. I'm, I'm going to say wills come off Arkansas the sweep.
2: Interesting. Okay. Mississippi state at Florida. Ooh, boy. Florida just won a series. Mississippi state just swept Missouri. That's a mm-hmm. good offensive team. Emily Williams is pitching with a lot of confidence. Give me Florida two one, but I, for some reason, almost want to pick Mississippi state to win this series. Cause it seems like something Florida would do mm-hmm. this year. Just drop this to finish at 500 <laughs> in conference play. I do think that if Mississippi state wins the series, you can kiss Florida hosting supers. Goodbye.
1: Oh yeah. You well, can't lose those home no. games
2: but I do like Florida to win the series two out of three.
1: I'm going to say Florida two out of three as well. If this was in Sartville, I would I would go with Mississippi State winning the series. 100%. But in Gainesville, I don't. I just don't see the Bulldogs being able to take that series.
2: Yeah, I, uh, I'm excited to see Mia Davidson hit a home run off Kelly Barnhill, though, because that will happen.
1: Oh, 100%. It's going over the pitching lab. Yes. <laughs> the laboratory. <laughs> the laboratory. Watch out for the beakers, because they might get broken. All right. Huge. Absolutely oh, huge! Come on,
2: Ole Miss at Georgia. Ole Miss sweeps; they have a chance to win the SEC. <sighs> they lose a game; they are eliminated effectively. Right. So, Ole Miss at Georgia, Tom.
1: Our Alabama picking does not affect this type of game, right? Does no. not affect this. Our no. our bad juju that we have for picking Alabama series does not affect this. I do not believe. Okay, so. we're 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 separating this from the from the Alabama picks. So. I I just think I think Georgia is playing well enough, especially at home. I think they give Ole Miss their first series loss. I'm gonna say 2-1 Georgia.
2: I'm going to agree with you, and it's really? because of what you just said. They have to lose a series at some point. Yeah. It's going to happen. Ole Miss is they're a great team, but everybody loses a series. And Ole Miss somehow has not. And like you said, Georgia's playing really well. Allie Cutting had a good outing this past weekend against South Carolina. I just like the way Georgia's playing and I like Allison Febrey kind of being that cleanup hitter that they've needed and she's hitting it well and give me the Bulldogs 2 one.
1: Was it the final series of the year when we played at Georgia last year? Second to last, Second of, but it was yeah. the last road series, right? It just, you know, you'll be there. It'll be Georgia's senior weekend. You know that I think they'll just have, there's a lot going in Georgia's favor here.
2: How about this one? South Carolina
1: at Missouri. i do you have a coin I can flip? I mean, it's it's just gonna. I mean, you go. Know, you're
2: up first. I, go ahead. Uh, or am I up first? I I'm up first yeah, this time. Yeah, you, yes. you go ahead. I don't know why I did that. Yeah, I'm going to take Missouri two out of three because I think it is very <laughs> you Missouri. You seem real committed. Well, I was. It was the same way last week. Remember, right. I said. You know, I said Missouri two out of three against state. How'd that work out? Yeah, I I just I don't see them losing two series in a row like that because I think there's too much talent on this team. And I think, you know, they've got the great offense. Maddie Norman, when she's pitching well, is really good. She was not pitching well in Starkville. The stats show that. Yeah, but I just don't see them losing two series in a row and being at best losers of five of the last six conference games. So give me Missouri to win that series.
1: Just the way South Carolina has been this year, yet there's this it, they, there's no carryover from one week to the next. I'm going to say South Carolina goes on the road wins this series two one because it just seems as though whenever they they play poorly the next week they you know they kind of pull it back together, and they've been able to do that a little bit more consistently than Missouri has here lately but i
2: I have no idea,
1: but i don't. I might as well flip the coin. Now
2: South Carolina needs it more. Yeah. If they can find a way to sweep, they're in a really good position. You know, just trying to keep creep back up into the host conversation. Anything Missouri gets at this point,
1: is just kind of gravy for them. So.
2: All right, let's step out of conference. All right. Big 10 Northwestern at Minnesota. Yes. And we said it with Caleb bro. I have not seen a second of Northwestern softball this year.
1: Are they still undefeated? They're not undefeated in the Big Twelve. In Big nope, 10 still undefeated. In the, wow, yeah. And what is what is Minnesota in the Big Ten?
2: Minnesota is eighteen and one. Northwestern twenty and zero. Wow. So this is effectively for the conference. Yeah. But, huh? Northwestern is an enigma to me. It's hard to see them. I do. I'm not getting a Big Ten to go premium subscription that's just, just not just happening not gonna do it and i have i just haven't had a chance flat to flat out them. refuses minnesota we saw earlier this year right and amber frizer you said best pitcher in the big 10 i said top two for sure and mm, i think that she, has been
1: proven she's won the big 10 pitcher of the week the last three weeks so
2: seems like we were correct <laughs> so tom you're first who do you got again this is at minnesota
1: yeah at minnesota i'm gonna say the gophers two one Pfizer will be able to shut down Northwestern, and I'm like you though. I I I don't know anything about Northwestern, and they're somehow winning. Yeah. So it's hard. I'm don't take this as though I've really done a whole lot of studying in Northwestern, but I just I I don't see them being able to go on the road and beating Minnesota more than once.
2: I agree with you. Give me Minnesota two out of three. Then again, uh, this is I know Minnesota because the other part of not knowing Northwestern, we don't really know Illinois. We don't know Wisconsin that well. You know, we don't study up on these teams. No, right. We've had to do the study work on Minnesota. Mm-hmm. We know how good they are. We've watched the film. We've watched the games. I've had a full board made out for Minnesota. <laughs> right. We know how good they are. If Northwestern goes in and wins that series or sweeps, I will be very impressed, and you can bet your bottom dollar they will move up in the bracketology.
1: Yeah, and but I think if, if they lose this series to Minnesota – I think there's going to be one of the best two seeds. Yeah. I don't think they're host at that point.
2: So basically no pressure.
1: So no pressure. Just basically any chance you have to go to Super Regionals (laughs) is all on this weekend. (laughs) Northwestern.
2: How about out in the pack? Another team we know very well and a team we unfortunately grew to know very (laughs) well last year.
1: I, I enjoy Arizona. I'm not a big fan of Washington.
2: Washington at Arizona. Hill and Brand Stadium. Give me Arizona. Two out of three. Taylor McQuillan's pitching like an All-American. That's an offense with a lot of pop. And I didn't know the fact that Caleb Rowe said that the last two series, the home team is swept. Yeah. I think Washington just doesn't have as much offense as we're used to seeing from them. And, you know, when Taryn Alvello and Gabby Plain have an off night, it's not great. Right. And Heather Tarr has had some mismanagement issues with those two pitchers, bringing in one too early when another's pitching well. I think Arizona gets two out of three.
1: I'm going to say the trend continues and I'm saying the home team gets a sweep. Whoa. I'm going to go, I'm going to go wildcats with the sweep. Any particular reason? Well, one, my hatred of Washington, but also, <laughs> but, but, but two, I like, like you said, I think you really see an offense with Arizona that I think they're going to be able to get on, get on playing in Alvello here. Um, and just Arizona just continues to, to kind of have the rocket ship to them here in the impact 12 play. Um, You know they had a little hiccup against California, but number three in the RPI, and also uh, the the comment I saw. What what is what is the uh, the stat with the RPI that Washington hasn't had an RPI top ten win this year? Zero and four in the top against the top ten. Yeah, they have not won
2: an RPI. Top 10 game this year, 0 and 4 and just six RPI, top 25 wins, lower than most of the other teams vying to host supers, mm-hmm. which is why I had them at an eight.
1: Yeah, let's see. They, they've handled some of the, the lesser opponents this year, but they've struggled against the top. And you know, it's one of those things where I think Arizona can kind of get, if they get game one and just kind of get things rolling, I think they can finish off the sweep there.
2: We will see. That'll be fascinating. I'm I'm definitely going to have my eye on that one. As well as this series, Bedlam, Tom. Yes. Oklahoma, at Oklahoma State, then at Oklahoma, and then back to at Oklahoma State. No matter where they play it, Oklahoma's going to win all three games.
1: Oh, you're just spitting it out. Done. I agree with you. (laughs) Because it's the Big 12 and Oklahoma always wins the Big 12.
2: I don't think it's close
1: either. I'm I think Oklahoma State could I, stick I'm,
2: around in one game.
1: Yeah, I'm done hoping somebody beats Oklahoma in the Big Twelve. Just I'm just assuming they're going to run through it, uh, and then we'll we'll see them in we'll see him in Oklahoma City. Basically, so, that's the way to, uh,
2: roll. OU sweep.
1: Yeah. Boom. Boom.
2: <laughs> well done. And finally, Alabama at LSU. Right. We have had <laughs> terrible luck predicting Alabama series. We are both a combined over fourteen.
1: Picking Alabama series, we've picked the right team to win. Just not the yes. Just not the. Uh, I mean, the I mean, games. getting it a
2: hundred percent. We had Reagan Dyke's mother approached us as we were going down. Oh, is that on Saturday?
1: Yeah, on Friday. Uh, it's think it was Saturday. because yeah, everyone was smiling.
2: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> on Saturday, we we're right. going down to talk to Coach Murphy. Reagan Dyke's mother pulls us aside and says, "Okay, boys, pick LSU next week because <laughs> of the curse."
1: Right. And, and we appreciate Miss Dykes being a an, an out-of-the-boxer, Yes, Listen, listening in with us. Thank you
2: for tuning in. And we, a couple other people came up to me. Right. I, I, so, Tom, <laughs> right. I will go first. I'm taking LSU in a sweep. Good, good. good. LSU in a sweep. And I wish I could make two picks and also predict LSU to win the Series 2-1.
1: <laughs> well, I'll do that for you. I'll pick LSU to win 2-1. 4, four trying to reverse the juju if nothing else
2: like good lord oh yeah. this is the team we cover right i know how do we we're not too, get any of them right we're
1: too close we're too close
2: oh. That's what I-, <laughs> I feel like an idiot too for saying what i said last week if you go back my comments are
1: like oh, just just totally wrong
2: inflammatory
1: about <laughs> kentucky and then so really see what probably happened was was rachel listened to the to the alibi so these people don't think that we're any good we were we were bulletin board material for the Wildcats. We games, were. Is what happened. And we apologize.
2: Not me this week. LSU is no. going to sweep and run rule every game.
1: <laughs> we, we are. We're going to be the Lou Holtz uh, of this whole thing this time. And we're going to talk about how great the opponent is for the yes. entire time. And not being able to pronounce our S's either. We're going we're gonna to go the whole full on <laughs> all about that. Because we 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 just we have not done well. No. <laughs> with the, with the, so nope. we apologize.
2: Perfect games from Wickersham and right. Sincerity.
1: Why? Why are we even going down there? I mean, I really, don't know. just just give them the rings right yep. now. So that is pick them. <laughs> You're welcome,
2: Alabama fans. Yes. And now, Alabama fans, you are know why it's time for the off the wall segment. Now again, not all Alabama fans. I'm going first this week, Tom.
1: Right. I would I would just like to say once again, ninety nine point five percent of all the fan base is awesome. Yes. Just that 0.5% gets very vocal on, on social media. Yep. Okay. First off. I'm just I'm just turning off my microphone, allowing you to. Yes. To no,
2: it's fine. It's fine. First off, my first comment I have to comment on is people wondering why we were playing in Coleman against Belmont. The reason we were in Coleman was for Claire Jenkins. Claire Jenkins is a player on the team. She is the starting shortstop. She Mm. is very good at what she does, and she hails from Coleman, Alabama.
1: Gray Robertson is the president of the fan club for Claire Jenkins.
2: Correct. Patrick Murphy likes to play games around or in the hometowns of his players. That was an event set up for Claire Jenkins. Belmont graciously agreed to play there. Yep. And that was why that game was played at a municipal park. Now, it was a municipal park. There is no way Beth Moens and Michelle Smith and Kayla Bro and Tiffany Green and Madison Shipman and everybody else can get in there and do TV for that game. It is if you have had children, you know this kind of park. This is summer ball. This is
1: this is church league.
2: Yes, this is little league. This is you know this is your fall ball. This is your son. Going and playing a month in October for the Yankees. Mm-hmm. This is that park. Right. There is no TV. No. Tom and I were it because there's, nothing
1: else was possible. Not only is there no TV, there's no internet. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, there's we no hard internet.
2: had to use Nathan Sheehan's Verizon box. Yes. That's it. That's one because that's why we played that game and that is why there was no TV. And there were complaints about it not being on TV. Number two. Please don't tear your ACL or break an ankle jumping off the bandwagon after a series against Kentucky. I am so sick and freaking tired, Tom, of people giving up on this team so fast. You have one bad series. All of a sudden, everybody wants to blame everybody and say this team can't do it. Some I've seen... Comments on Twitter say, kiss the tournament goodbye. What does that even mean? <laughs> Alabama is a locked to host regionals. That's happening, folks. You can lose out and Alabama is still hosting regionals. I am so sick and tired of people watching a game and blaming everything on not having a hitting coach or this or that or the other and saying that this team is not good enough to make a run because of one week in performance. Let me clue all of you in. Alabama lost a series earlier this year. You know what happened right after it, Tom? a uh, pretty good win streak yeah it was eight games yeah. including two sweeps over a georgia team who right now is playing pretty darn well and florida who is the top rpi in the sec stop giving up on this team and this coaching staff and these players because they've worked too hard for everyone on social media to criticize them for a bad game or a bad weekend and tell them that they stink and tell them they can't get hits because trust me what we saw against kentucky is not the norm it is an aberration things will get worked out going forward stop stop jumping off the bandwagon so fast and if you did jump we don't want you back (laughs) i'm just being honest i I don't want to see if alabama wins the sec regular season championship i have notes and i have names no no i have names and if i see some of the people who've commented some of the things that i've kept track of saying congratulations i know you could do it no you no you didn't because Mm -hmm. you kept saying crap about the team and about the players and i just can't take it be a fan if you want to give constructive criticism, be constructive. If you're just going to say they couldn't get hits, that's not constructive criticism. <laughs> we all saw the game. We were there. Yeah. I just can't take it. If you know, if you are off the bandwagon, don't get back on. That's all I have to say. And stop being so harsh on these players. They're college kids. They have a lot of things going on. And you know what? One bad weekend does not mean that they stink. That's all I have to say.
1: Wow. Like it. You go ahead, Tom. Is, I hope I didn't
2: take everything. No, no, no. You go what ahead. Is, what is Alabama's record right now, Tom? Let me look real quick. I believe it is forty-seven and six. Forty-seven and six.
1: Okay. So, why is it that that a performance in a loss is more reflective of what the team is as opposed to the times Alabama won? That is the Alabama team. Again, this is a game of failure, it is softball. You're going to lose a game every once in a while.
2: And mind you, it hasn't been often. I just did. That is a winning percentage, I'll round up, of 89%. Alabama is failing 11% of the time this year.
1: Yeah. 11. And of those six losses, I would say two, Alabama didn't have a chance to win.
2: I would agree with that. I would say the game two of the South Carolina series, and game one of the Kentucky series,
1: right? And even that one, it wasn't it wasn't that far off. No, I'd say that the South Carolina, the one South Carolina loss, is about the only game where Alabama was totally outplayed for the entire game. Yeah, but but when when you lose a thirteen inning game by one run, all of a sudden, time to jump off the bandwagon. I I, I couldn't agree more with, with with your with your comments. The other one I would say would be if you have multiple multiple like probably double digit accounts oh boy i know who this is about that you continue that you have to f- change up who you're how you're applying to things with different accounts on social media either facebook or twitter because the other ones have been blocked because of the ridiculous things that you're saying you are the definition of a troll And if someone calls you a troll, that's because you're a troll because you do things that are troll like trollish trollish, if you will. And you can't get mad when you say, well, I was just saying what, what, what needed to be said. I wasn't trying to be offensive. Well, you were offensive and that, that yet again, that is another indication of being a troll. So don't be a troll is what I'm saying. Don't be dumb. Right. Don't be a troll. (laughs) Don't be dumb. Don't be basically the overall off the wall. Quote of the day: Don't be dumb. Don't be a troll. Don't be dumb. It's not that hard. It's really not. And And I and I promise if you that that none of no one who who is talking who is, you know the biggest fans of softball there is none of them know more than actual softball players about the game of softball.
2: Thousand percent. Look, you and I have this podcast. Why do you think we have guests? Right. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Because we can't fill however many segments we have talking about softball, because as much as we study it, we never played. No, I, it, you get a lot more information from people that played the game because they know it inside and out. I will admit I love softball. I have fallen in love with this game and I will try and find out as much information as possible. I can never know as much as a Sydney Littlejohn, as much as a Caleb bro, a Madison Shipman, none hmm. of those former players,
1: right? They don't, And they don't even have to be all Americans. You can take, you know, the, the number one pinch hitter or the, or the, the number five pinch hitter, whatever yeah. I have seen every pitch of every Alabama game for the past five seasons. And I would say every player that I have called their names knows more about softball than I do.
2: 1000% with me too. Not just you. I wouldn't right, just thank, <laughs> right, right. I appreciate it. Thank you. Oh man, people. Oh, that's the off the wall. That's side,
1: the off, right? Yeah. Just, just putting that out there.
2: I hope that we can chill with that next week. <laughs>
1: Hopefully there'll be no reason for it. We'll just be eating our uh, crawfish and enjoying it.
2: Yes. But next week is a lot of fun. Yes. As we referenced earlier in the show, the out of the box on the road in college station episode will take place on Tuesday time TBD at good bull barbecue. Again, open invitation to our friends at seven innings podcast and in the circle, both have responded to tweets. We are trying to figure things out. Open invitation, we will be doing a live-to-tape recording of the podcast on Tuesday before the SEC tournament at Good Bull Barbecue. Shout-out to Good Bull for, I said, you know, we might have other people coming. They said, it's okay, just tell me how many and we'll figure it out. Yes. That's awesome. Like it. Softball support staff, Alabama coaching staff, you're invited
1: to. Open invitation.
2: Everyone, I had somebody today suggest Alabama as a team might go eat lunch there. And we'll just have the whole team come on. Wow. Why not? That would be massively huge. Do we have enough microphones?
1: No. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll 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 work it out. We'll, we'll figure it out. Everybody we'll we'll exchange headsets if necessary.
2: Yes. And to find out more information about this, you can follow the show's Twitter account at out of the box underscore pod or follow us. Tom, what is your Twitter?
1: At T Canterbury RTR, that's T-C-A-N-T-E-R-B-U-R-Y-R-T-R. You can get all this, all the information. Alabama softball, uh, Game of Thrones, been a lot of that recently. Uh, some uh, some wrestling on there as well. You can get everything you need at a uh, at T Canterbury RTR.
2: And for me, at Gray G R A Y underscore Robertson, and again, the show's Twitter account at Out of the Box underscore Pod. And if you don't catch the games on TV this weekend or you're like those very kind people who watch the games,
1: mute it, and listen to us, you can find us where, Tom? When you are wanting to listen to the games, you can go to RollTide.com, go to the schedule page, and then there's a live audio link right there. Just click on that, and you can get us wherever you are. We appreciate everyone that listens. I know the the Murphy family up in Iowa listens yes. in a lot. Uh, we talked with a lot of them. A Happy, happy 90th to Mama Murphy. We had some cake with her uh, this past weekend. Delicious cake. Yeah, it was awesome. Yes. Man. So, yeah, just so we we appreciate everyone listening in, and uh, hopefully we can uh, keep it rolling moving through uh, the tournament. I hope so. I
2: really hope so. And we will have that special episode at good bull barbecue next tuesday time tbd (laughs) check the twitter
1: yes we will let everyone know
2: when we are there and we will have an epic tom's hungry because we will just come from baton rouge we'll be eating good bull barbecue it's too perfect
1: my goodness we're gonna have to have a whole segment like we'll yeah no 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 more guests or anything we're just gonna do a whole podcast bemo smitty
2: (laughs) they're gonna walk in we're gonna say nope i'm sorry sorry. we're we're talking about barbecue Tom's hungry. So that's it for this episode of the podcast. Many thanks to the fantastic Caleb Bro for joining us. Always great to have her and thank you loyal listeners for tuning in each and every week our numbers continue to go up thank you for listening to every episode as we roll on here to finish the season for my partner tom canterbury i'm gray robertson we will be in baton rouge this weekend to see who will take the sec crown and then we go to college station for the sec tournament a reminder once again the good bull barbecue episode out of the box on the road will be this upcoming tuesday time to be announced that's it from us we'll see you next time on out of the box